three, two, one. Back again with another new episode of the Stone Age Podcast with the three motherfuckers without the Rev. Yeah, dude. Rev, Rev went uh, walkabout again. Yeah, he had a walkabout to the... He's getting a sex change, so, um, you know, we just... He needs that time right now to heal and get through this next stage of <laughs> his life. who he is. Right, as a person. <laughs> she. Z. Yes. Z. They. Him, they. they. <laughs> him, him, they, sir. Dude, the ba- Babylon Bee, they do some stupid stuff, but they had a funny skit about an alien invasion this morning. Oh, my God. Briefing, that, like, sitting down with the government trying to figure out if they were going to destroy the world. And there was, like, the general. He's like, I'm I a general such, such, in charge of space, whatever. I identify as he, him. And then they went around to this other dude, and he's like, he, him, and this lady. I'm like, I'm the diversity chief. I identify as she, her. And <laughs> alien's like, all right, so confused about this. Why are you telling me what you are? Like, I'm an advanced species. I can clearly look at you and tell what you are. And the lady's going off on, she starts going off on all the different genders, and then they're all showing, like, nieces or nephews or kids or whoever <laughs> who identifies. And he goes, no. He's talking to, but then finally you sit there, you see the alien reach over and hit a thing. He goes, yes, no intelligent life found. We're destroying the planet. (laughs) (laughs) The sad reality of the human race right now. Well, American human race. Oh, my God. It was hilarious. Like, they do some really stupid stuff sometimes, but that one had me. I hadn't even had coffee yet this morning. I was dying. (laughs) It's like, oh, my God. I think the more not politically correct something is, is the most best humor you can have right now. Just for oh, the, yeah. The things that are blown in proportion right now and taken so seriously, it's just get a life. You well, there's people who are professional, like... Uh, Words hurt. Yeah. Not oh. even victims. They're just professionally butthurt. Like, professionally butthurt. Yeah. Mm. Professionally butthurt victims. Like I don't they, know, man. I can get behind somebody not being right in their body. Right, they're just wired different. Don't push chemi- that shit on you, though. Chemical different, I don't have a prob- whatever. I'm not even saying push it on. It. It's like, are you hurting other people? Or you know, I think anybody should be an adult to make those kind of decisions. Mm-hmm. I think people should. Sorry that you're wrong in yourself or your body or whatever, but that's what you were given, and once you come to a position or potential what's the word I'm looking for like developmentally mm-hmm. have gotten through then you can kind of make those decisions on who you are right, right? I like, get through the hard bullshit shitty shit that what high school or that age frame is that sucks for everybody that transition between child to adulthood yep Sucks no matter who you are. Well, since it's supposed this, to suck. Since all this has started now, I think I was listening the other day. Jordan Peterson was being interviewed by a liberal guy. It was kind of a contentious interview, but I think Jordan Peterson said right now, one in five adolescents is identifying as trans. But if you look at the data of adults about people who have said they're trans, once they hit over 25, 80% just identify as like gay. And so it's almost like it's a cultural, like it's pushed, you know, like think, I think about when I was a kid, like if you were nerdy or, you know, there were kids who got picked on and now that's a quick path to acceptance is to just say, I identify as something else. Now that's not to say it's not real, but 
Yeah. Uh, well, then you have the people that are going to follow that trend because it's the cool thing to do. Well, I don't really like when I when I had to teach sharp in the army and we had transitioning lieutenants starting to come through. And it it was such a touchy subject. And I was like, this is really easy. Just treat everybody with dignity and respect. That's what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. What like whatever they want to do is on them. Like you said, like where I take issue with it is the social engineering and stuff getting pushed on kids and all this other yep. stuff. That's where I'm kind of like, look, I'm like, the same. there's plenty of people who are trying to figure stuff out in their adolescence. Yeah, I've always right. been, a, you do you, but just don't push it on me. Mm-hmm. I don't I mean, I don't want to have to conform to your reality that's not backed by science. Now, that doesn't mean I don't have any respect for what you are or what you tend mm-hmm. to call yourself. I have no, nothing but respect for people. It's but when you try to push your values and images on me that don't align with my yeah, own. But I see, like, eh. again, that's going into it's <coughs> the majority of people probably aren't. Yeah. You know, they're probably relaxed and chill and understand, like, hey, they've been in a situation yeah. where somebody, like, I don't know what should I call you. Like, I, just call me them. It's, it's, and it's you're the like, squeaky wheel gets the grease. Yeah. Kind of and you're thing. like, okay, cool. I can do that. I just, you know, communication helps. Well, and, you like, know, uh, so somebody we all know, a friend of mine who's been on here before, they have a, a uh, stepkid who came out as trans, and originally they were trying to keep it on the down low, and I, I kind of know where he sits, and when some of his posts and stuff and stuff he was supporting, I was kind of like, oh, where? That's weird a little mm-hmm. bit. Not, not that he's bigoted or anything like that, but it just... And I talked to him about it, and I know where he officially stands, and he's like... And what drove it, which was unfortunate, where they kind of doubled down or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, look, a lot of these kids, because now he's taking all these kids, like he's driving in parades, the float mm-hmm. and stuff. And he's like, honestly, all these kids are really good kids, he said. But my honest assessment is a lot of them are just really confused. And that- Who's not confused when you're a teenager? Exactly. About anything and well, everything. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's the quickest path to acceptance, I think, because of how it's been engineered. Mm-hmm. And that's why I say... So, back pre-2015, maybe, like in the DSM, it was a mental illness. Like, it got, it got pulled off the DSM, and I heard somebody talk about this. Like, if I walked into a doctor right now, and I said, hey, doc... This is, I know this arm is on me, but I don't feel like this is my arm. I don't feel like I should have been born with this arm. Like, I just feel like it's not mine. The doctor would say, okay, and there is a condition for that. I can't remember what it's called, but they'd say, okay, well, what you have is this. We're going to prescribe you this. They'd refer you to a, to a behavioral health specialist, and they'd be like, we're going to get you the help you need. If you come out and you're like, hey, doc, so this dick. I don't feel like I w- was born with this dick. I feel like a girl. Mm-hmm. I feel whatever. Because it's no longer in the DSM, they're going to say, how, how wonderful for you, and they're going to give you hormone therapy and potentially chop it off. They wouldn't amputate your arm. You, you, know, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And especially when everything settles, if you look at the data or the suicide rates of transit, people who've transitioned like post transition, the elevated suicide, that was my biggest concern in the army. Just cause I'm like, I don't want a bunch of soldiers 
start killing themselves. We already had an epidemic of people killing themselves. Like, I'm with you, and I go back to what I used to teach. Just treat everybody with dignity and respect. Right. You know? But um, having people try to go, well, that's not, you know, that's not biology, and we've basically created this weird realm of a social science where new genders pop up all the time. And, mm-hmm. and I'm like, look, dude, I don't care if you want to identify as a parakeet, but when I see you, I'm going to be like, hey, what's up? sir or whatever i'm not a sir yeah i'm parakeet okay parakeet it's cool right like i didn't know that but looking at you i don't know you're not a parakeet so the my bad the immature side of me hears you tell that story about this is my arm i know it's attached but as i feel like it's my arm is like can you imagine sitting by some dude just randomly just jacks himself in the face and be like it's not my arm it's my bad it just does it by itself like (laughs) how batshit crazy would you be like like uh fuck bro Army of Darkness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. It, uh, it's just a crazy world we live in. Yeah. Well, I think you can go back to like that pendulum or pendulum, whatever, however you say that word. Mm-hmm. Um, we know what you mean. That's what we're just going so far one direction. That it's going to start swinging back and we'll probably go way so far the other direction. That's, and, and that's what we'll I said back. when I was with when mm-hmm. we were. Rev and I were going back and forth on the last one, you know, it was like, I don't disagree with any of the, like, I'm fairly classically liberal. You Mm -hmm. do you, you know, I want the lesbian couple next door to be growing their marijuana plants, defending them with guns. Like, do you live your free life? That's how I think we were meant to be. Like all the other stuff is between you and your creator, you know, but, um, I also don't want it where it's rigidly where it swings the other way and it's rigidly like Sharia law type. Yeah. But I mean, in school, anybody can say that about religion too. You know, that's why I said Sharia law. Yeah. Like in in Islam where it's like, no. And people are being like stoned death for, you know, Oh, a woman reads a book and we just, they're throwing gay people off roofs and stuff. Like I don't want it to swing that way either. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, we don't want Anthony getting thrown off a roof. That'd be awful. Can't we all just get along? Right. Be, be a good human. <laughs> or right. do better. Do better. That's a great... There's a whole lot of needing to do better out there. I love that brand. The way you do that, I love that. Every time I see your shirt, I'm like, that is amazing. Do better. And it really applies to everything. Everything. From the second you go to bed to the second you wake up to the, till you go back to bed. Right, like, it, did you do better than you did yesterday? That's the question. No. He almost stuck it in my face when I was struggling on the sled the other day because he had his hat on. Because I was, was about to, like point to the hat, like do better. No, he's like I almost <laughs> did. I legit was about to pass out. It was like maximum effort, like taxing your nervous system. Like I saw stars. He's like I kind of wanted to do this, but I think she knew I would have probably fucked myself. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you could have done better. I'm like, dude, I barely got those four. <laughs> no we more effort. One more. <laughs> so we were talking before we started about uh, a guy that I know, potential. I'd like to get him on the podcast, but uh, a very fascinating individual that I met on a cruise ship in a hot tub. And it was me and my wife. and uh, Gave for pay. Gave for pay. I mean, everyone's got a price. Um, mine's way higher than Anthony's, though. Um <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, no, the wife and uh, a couple that we were vacationing Saying with. way higher than Anthony's really can mean anything. That's the fact. I, <laughs> Jesus Christ, yes. <laughs> but uh, I decided, uh, I mean, I was feeling pretty good. Li- liquid encouragement. You know, it always gets my bubble and I'm a social butterfly. So I'm like, I'm going to go sit in the hot tub. Well, this dude behind me 
followed me, and he was wearing a Cardinals hat. And a super cool dude, older guy, and southern accent, and we all start bullshitting in the hot tub. And he's like, well, what do you all do? And he was going around to everybody, and he came to me, and I'm like, well, I'm a commercial insurance producer out of St. Louis, Missouri. Go, go Cardinals. And he kind of put his head back. He's like, commercial insurance. He's like, my company, blah, 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 had an X amount of increase this year for no reason. Can you help me with that? I'm like, absolutely. So I got him my business information. We exchanged business cards. Cruise got over. A couple weeks later, reached out. Danny wrote off the whole trip. <laughs> Abs- <laughs> Every trip is wrote off, Sam. <laughs> Tax advantages for the win. This is why we hang with Danny. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, he, he and I actually ended up becoming really good friends. Um, I mean, I, I, I eventually got the business, but it was out. That was, I blew the competition away, and I found some exclusions that they, the, the things that were excluded in their policy was literally in the name of the company. So they were spending deep six figures for an insurance policy that wasn't even covering what they were doing. So it was a slam dunk for me to, like, uh, did you guys know this? And they were like, are you fucking kidding me? But outside of it, he's, his story... So he is the CEO of this organization, come to find out. And it's one of the largest of the organizations in Missouri. Hmm. And uh, his story is fascinating. He's just a very cool dude. And the man just loves kids, like, in the most, just to help them out in the best way she perform. I don't want to say the, the company name because I don't want to cause any issues based off our own content. But mm-hmm. the, he's, he's just a very cool dude. And if I think if we can find a hole in his schedule to sit down and have a bullshit session i think you guys would find him very fast yeah man yeah we'll talk to anybody you know that absolutely yeah i want to hear his side of the in the hot tub story <laughs> <laughs> so they have this big gala every year and it's big money big thing and i went to it last year and he's like i don't want you paying for a table i want you to come sit with me at my table i'm like sure so me and the wife went and it was like all his closest friends and neighbors and family and we were like, well, who's who? And they're like, well, my, I said, my name's Cruz. Like, you're the hot tub guy. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> but yeah, that's me. <laughs> From now on, <laughs> Danny's the hot tub guy. I'm, absolutely. I'm sad I didn't meet you in a hot tub. And I mean, th- we can reenact this. And this <laughs> is why, you know how his plate says Mr. Risky? I told him I was going to get black uh, electrical tape and put an F in front of the R so it was Mr. Frisky. <laughs> it's, it's risk. It's risks. <laughs> But yeah, no, it's always on the clock, man. When you're in this industry, you've, you're not on the clock 24-7. You're losing money. That's with anything. Always been your grind, people. Don't don't settle for anything. Never stop. It's kind of like any... When I don't know. I'm kind of okay with uh, losing money to... Well, you're in a different situation, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> he's lying because I promise you anywhere Eric goes, he's talking about jiu-jitsu. Fucking right he is. Okay. Even on a cruise boat, because then same it's a tax thing. write-off. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. Whatever. He just knows I'm right. <laughs> it is true. It but is. I only surround myself with people who want to talk about jujitsu, so it's Dude, limited. You're like a Mormon missionary <laughs> with jujitsu. Have you heard about our Lord and Savior, Eddie Bravo? Right. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> I hate that it's so relatable. <laughs> I don't, you know, it's really, it's quite relatable. <laughs> I'm very evangelistical of my jujitsu and the journey. No, but it's like that with, kind of like with any business you're running, you know? Like when I was at Six Tactical, 
what am I doing all the time talking about it? It's not even like working an angle. It's just, you know, building your brand, doing, doing your thing. It's just part of it. It's natural. I think it's, uh, goes back to like men building empires. You just can't help it. It's coded in who you are, you know? Well, there's some people that are, are just wired different too. They can't, they can't survive in stagnant water. And, like, when I worked at Boeing, I started a powder cone company with a good buddy of mine, and we grew it to one of the biggest operations in St. Louis in four years' time. When I moved to Florida, we shut it down because I went one way, my buddy went another way, and if we're not in the business, it's not going to survive. So yeah. we shut that down. I moved to Florida, and that one really kind of formed me. And I'm not going to say my entrepreneurial side because it's always been there, but running that territory down there, I mean, it was a sink or swim, and I had to swim. And I, I mean, I grew it from 1.4 to a $2.4 million territory in two to three years. So just that grind alone. And then coming back up here and starting all over again and building my, my new book of business and hitting yeah. seven figures finally, that's, it's, been, it's been a hell of a grind. But if you don't have that, that attitude where you wake up every day and you're going to be talking about your craft with anybody at any point in time, especially on vacation in a hot tub, you're not going to make it. Yeah, right. I dig, I dig right. that stuff too. Like Tom and I had lunch the other day, and we're talking about a bunch of stuff and mm-hmm. um, just business ideas because we were walking around downtown looking at some stuff, and like it's like, oh, that'd be cool, man. You could do this, this, and this, and have all these things, and it's just uh, it's fun. It is the just the challenge of it too. Well, like, I think the best part about it is when you have a vision and you make it happen. Yeah. Something about that is it's just like raising a kid. Mm-hmm. Exactly, it's something. There's something so solidifying about it. What'd you do for Boeing? So quite a bit. Yeah, my so, grandpa worked for Boeing. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, it was McDonald Douglas before it was Boeing. Yeah, and then, then it got bought out in '94, I think yeah. it was, or '96. Yeah, my dad was started off McDonald Douglas too. But uh, so I started off as a civil mechanic working on the F-18 wing. Yeah. And then uh, volunteered for the Trailing Edge Flat program because we bought that back from a company called GKN. So we had to reverse engineer it and figure out how to build it. So we did that. Then uh, the Leading Edge Flaps had an issue. So uh, the TEF, the Trailing Edge Flap, was slowing down. So they were loaning some people out. Went with the Leading Edge Flap and got along with those guys amazingly. So hopped over with them for a little while. And then I became a flight operation mechanic and the Boeing uh, technology and evaluation side, and that's where we got to break shit, fix it, and then break it again. So my resume is absolutely ridiculous when I've worked on the C-17, F-18, F-15, T-45, TX, the A-10, JSF, F-22, the triple seven egg. I mean, literally every military project that Boeing has her finger in, even though the JSF is a so Lockheed. Have you, been, have you been to S-4? Define S-4. Area 51 S4. <laughs> I've been in Black Hole, but not S4. Hey, do you guys remember that time we invaded, or we were going to invade Area 51? Yeah, I do. I laughed. <laughs> that I happened. Oh, they went. But they that went. happened in our lifetime. Like, that was a thing. Like, that was like two years ago. like two years ago. That's, inc- that's crazy. You know, that's a thing. Right. <laughs> we as humans. I think one of the craziest things about working at Boeing is, uh, so in the testing evaluation side, I did a lot with the bombs. And these engineers from St. Charles came to me and they gave me this box of parts. I'm like, what the fuck is this? He's like, we need you to put this together. <laughs> I'm like, what is it? Like, what's well, a JDAM tail? I'm like, oh, okay. Like, got blueprints, specs. Nope. I'm like, fuck it. Give me a couple hours. I'll figure it out. And sure, shit, about an hour I had it put together. I'm like, I just assembled a complete bomb uh-huh. with nothing. I'm like, yep. 
what if I was some fucking terrorist? Like, what kind of trust you all got in me right now? Like, it's a horrible idea. I like blowing shit up. <laughs> How do you think they figure out, dude, that's why the counter IED game downrange was so bad because we would build electronic warfare jamming systems and then they would the figure out model. the freaks and counter them. And then they'd go low tech to our high tech. And then they were like, when they were shaving down passive infrared sensors for triggers that they could aim, like, even you'd go back a year later and be like, wait, they're doing what? Holy shit. Yeah. Like we found a whole box of these, like, uh, it was in a, a deal, but it, you know, like the, uh, like these little charge boxes you plug in for your USB mm-hmm. to the wall. There's a whole box. It's like weird. They get turned in. We get this storyboard deal and they were all filled with homemade explosives and they had made them so they could, cause Soldiers would buy the ones to plug their stuff in over there from the little shops. So they'd just go have some worker drop oh, them on the fob. Shit. You plug The soldiers plugging it in. It's got a little blasting cap in there. It blows their hand off. Holy It's fuck. not killing dudes, but it's taking people it's out taking of the fight, them out. sending them home. It's just genius little shit Damn. like that. Can you imagine that shit? And you don't hear about that shit over here as a civilian. And I, and I follow that shit pretty close. I've never heard of that. That's fucking crazy. It was in WikiLeaks, too. That's the only reason I can talk about it. But I was in WikiLeaks also. I'm not telling you the name on that one. <laughs> not off, on here. I was like, off record? Not on here. <laughs> <laughs> off record, please, sir. I'm a lock trap. Unless I'm talking about Boeing stuff. Cause my so you went from doing shit with Boeing to doing stuff with insurance. So I went from Boeing to high-precision machinery. So I was headhunted for the sales territory down in the southeast part of the country for the, yeah. for the and I was their firearm expert and their aviation yep. expert. And then that career was ripped out for me for me. I basically drew the short straw. They revamped the entire sales structure and I was a big paycheck and they cut me. So you're doing more than just Daniel Defense's stuff oh, when you yeah. were down there. Oh, they yeah. were just one of the clients. They were one of my clients, yes. I had a very, very large hand in their barrel production. So yeah, I know. So there's there's certain companies out there that know that uh the captain was in there, you know, so, um, but when that ended, my cousin, who's a senior VP of my agency, he's just a downright cool dude. He could sit right here and he'll tell you anything and you can take it to the bank. Don't bullshit straight to the point. Very successful individual financially. And, uh, I called him up I'm like, Hey, do you have any uh, contacts down in Tampa? That's where I was living at the time. I said, I'm thinking about, uh, checking new things out. He's like, you're on the job market. I said, yeah. He's like, well, I'm going to hop on a plane with my dad and my brother. I'm going to fly to Tampa tomorrow. We're going to go fish on your boat for a couple of nights. We're going to talk. I'm like, okay. So we went out bow fishing one night. Uh, went eight hours one night, seven hours the second night. After I hooked them up with rod and reel charters. So they were on the boat literally for like 16 wow. hours, two days in a row. Damn. And I could tell he was trying to recruit me to come back to Missouri. And I'm like, man, I like it down here. But we need to have a sit down with my wife. It's like, let's go to dinner tomorrow night and we'll talk. So we're at this restaurant for three, four hours talking. And uh, I'm a very financially motivated individual. And I was kind of talking about money, you know, because, I mean, at the end of the day, that's what matters. You know, if I'm moving 960 miles back to Missouri where I came from, there needs to be an incentive. Yeah. And I was kind of beating around the bush, and he just kind of just he's like, just stop. I'm making blank this year. I'm like, I'm coming to Missouri. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's kind of like one of those uh, moments off of uh, – Wolf of Wall Street, mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, you make $30,000 this year. I quit my job right now, and I work for you. It's kind of one of those things. I'm like, let's fucking go, bro. So 
Damn. And he's been like, this is what you're going to make year one, year two, year three, year four, year five. And he's been fucking on point. On, I mean, just on point. And, and hopefully in five years, I'll have financial freedom. You got to run in the sun to get paid in the shade, and I'm on path for it. Yeah. I just got to keep hustling it. And then yeah. doing, you know, like helping Six Tack out and stuff like that on the side. And, you know, I, I just like helping people, too. I mean, like I said, any water races all ships, and, and I thrive off of other success. Like we mm-hmm. were talking about the school earlier. Right. How you guys are just fucking killing it right now. I love that shit. That's yeah. my fuel. I mean, I can, Hell people yeah. like take a nap or, you know, do whatever they go on a walk or a hike to get that, that little boost in their, in their ass. Well, you know, like me and Tom, when we grabbed lunch the other day and we were talking about different ventures and different things. And he, he said, yeah, you know, because we had talked about going to some training stuff together, like school, shooting school, stuff like that. And, um, he was like, yeah, that's why I want my friends to be able to succeed so we can just take a weekend off and go to this thing. And I'm like, yeah, that's kind of what we're all <laughs> shooting for, yep. you know? Like, uh, And it's the same thing, though, because you know, if you build a good network... That's, that's everything. Yeah. Your network yeah. and your core group, the core group you surround yourself with. Yeah, You know, I was saying this the other day. My dad said the cliche, like, you are who you hang out with. 100%. And I'm like, no, I'm not, because I'm me, motherfucker. <laughs> like, I, like, I do things right. Like, gotta, I'm different. You, gotta, you know, I'm you, different than these schmucks I'm hanging out with. And then one day, not too long ago, I'm like, God damn it. This motherfucker, like, <laughs> you really are. You really are the people who you hang out with. Like, that's the group of the five like, people dude, you spend Yeah, most. man. It's really important to know your circle and then your sides, your other circles and your thing. And to, I, like, just look introspectively are like are these are you one benefiting them right or and are they benefiting you also you know like are is their intent in in the relationship Mm -hmm. you know are they willing to do the work with you to one maintain the relationship are you able to have micro confrontation or even big confrontation and know that they're still worth it and at the end of the day we should all be able to bring something to the table like we treat this like a round table you know the king arthur and the nice round table we all have a sword yep. if we all can't benefit something from somebody un and unpurposefully offer up something for somebody it could be literally your attitude well where if you i like your fuel and this the way you handle yourself if you can bring something to the table mm-hmm. i want you in my circle i look at it like they say if you walk into the room and you're the smartest guy in the room you're in the wrong room. room yep you're out but i think it depends on what you're talking about because, like, context of what... I was like, what topic? Yeah, what you're doing in... In, in, a that, specific, in that room. In a specific yeah, whatever area. is going on it's in like that room. in the gym, yeah. yeah, it's you, right? Like, mm-hmm. it, just, it just depends on, like, what's my question? What's my... Right, but you notice that, or I intend to make sure that I have ends in other rooms where I'm not the smartest one in those rooms no, for do, that but, section. But you, you know? know when to ask the question. You know when you're not the smartest guy in that room. Right. That's, right. My, that's my point. It's like... Uh, you know your role. Yeah. Yeah. But you, you also know where you're... Uh, you also can't walk into a high-value room with nothing to offer yeah. and expect something. Absolutely. Like you have to earn You have to earn it. Like, you got to earn that There's sword. a barrier to entry. Absolutely. You yeah. know? Yeah. Um, no, I mean, that's I, I, my brother-in-law. He's a super intelligent dude, um, but 
he's by far way more intelligent than I am. But when you go on like a mechanical use your hands type of situation, I far exceed him in that scenario. And it's something as simple as he needed uh, his parents had some kind of Christmas tree and they needed some shims to to lift it up and he needed a hole that was six inches and he wanted to use a jigsaw to cut the six inches holes. I'm like, or we can use a hole saw that's six inches. And he's like, I didn't even think about that. Something simple as that, you know, and, and build my house, he helped out a lot. And yeah. there were some things that he was like, I would never have thought about doing it that way. And to me, I'm like, you're so fucking intelligent. But at the same time, our brains aren't wired the exact same way. That, yeah, we're supposed that, to com- like complement the situation, you know. Like I have holes in who I am as a person. And if I can have the people who are around me complement those things mm-hmm. where I'm like, if I'm really bad at something and Sam can handle that, like that's and vice versa. Yeah, absolutely. You know. Well, it's like having another set of eyes to um, sometimes can be important. My my first turn at Fort Lewis when he came to us, he was like, look, even your lowest level private, like he goes, let them ask questions. He goes, there's people with a lot of experience who can help solve a lot of problems. And you have no idea what a good idea they may actually have because we were going to combat and it's a dynamic environment. You got to shift stuff up. And it, hearing somebody say something and going, that was absolutely brilliant. Yep. Yep. Good idea. You're on it for for this. This is now your, yep, it's your baby. Your baby yeah. on yep. this one. Make it happen. Um, yep. And it's when, when uh, having the ability to be ego free in an unbiased way. That's a big thing. When you let people have the buy-in to that group to at least hear the idea out, you know, all the way. Sometimes you need to swallow your pride and just listen. I'm humbled. Like, even what I said, but just about my brother-in-law, he humbles me and my, (laughs) I'm going to call it my lack of intelligence compared to him. And he's, he's an awesome freaking dude. And having people like that, you know, it's, it's, it's so humbling. Should get him on here. He would probably be an interesting character to be on here because his childhood is a story and a half that's very religious and no longer religious. And maybe I'll talk to him and see if I can get him on here. That'd be fun. He's a good dude, too. Yeah, man. Cool. He's a cool cat. He got me into board games with him and his friends. So nerdy. What board games? Dude. Say it. Uh, which we which one? Say it. <laughs> say it. Say it. <laughs> Do it. No, he started me out on uh, Settlers of Catan. That's a good one. And that then, was gangster. Yeah, it's a good game. That was the first one that got me hooked. And then we they have a game night every Thursday night. A group of guys get together. And the ones that we play now at my house with him is uh, Ark Nova and Space Base. They are so fucking strategic and in-depth. It takes like two and a half, three hours, and it's always down to like one or two moves on each side to who wins and he always kicks my ass he's so fucking good at that it shit it all comes back to <laughs> chess man. it all comes back to chess I love chess yeah yeah. that's why I love jujitsu right no I mean honestly that's, that's really what it is it's basically a board game in physical form who's who's ahead of who tap bitch <laughs> <laughs> You're slipping. <laughs> What's wrong, man? What happened to you? You fell for that one. <laughs> Got him. I'm going to start talking shit like that. Just so I can stir him up. Like 8 millimeter, 10 millimeter, quarter inch socket. You're slipping. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, man. So how are you guys been, man? And everything? What's anything new going on? 
nothing. It's hot. Dude, Missouri, and Missouri heat dry, which is rare, like different for me in Missouri. Yeah, Giving me some Vegas vibes. Dude, I can't stand our humidity here. That's one thing I miss about Florida because it was hot, but you always had the sea breeze, so it wasn't like disgustingly where unbearable. you were in Florida. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Dude, Mississippi, it was hot and wet. Uh huh. I would take wet right now. Always. We need we need rain so bad. Georgia, dude, I hate the South. Joe Joe's tried getting me down there so many times. I'll like, fight Joe right now. We'll <laughs> get out of here. Slash his tires and make him stay here. What now, Joe? I know you're listening. <laughs> yeah. bitch. Uh, you don't gotta convince Joe. He All right, who we need to talk to? Uh, um Whose dick does Rev gotta suck to get him up here? <laughs> <Yeah>. Well, <laughs> Come uh, up here, Smoke. We miss right you. Right for what? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> when, uh, when are we going to go to the cabin? I'm actually going there this weekend. Really? Yeah. My wife came home last night, and she's like, I need to leave town. It's been a long week. I'm like, okay. So we're looking out, going floating like that, Van Buren or something like that. And then she's like, what if we go to the farm? I'm like, you've never sounded so attractive to me in my life. <laughs> so uh, so we're, we're jumping ship tomorrow. The uh, in-laws are going to go with us, and we're going to go to the farm and get off the grid for a few days. So, okay. But we need a, we need, we need a, a stone date. Well, I don't even want to call it a sabbatical. <laughs> Retreat. Even if it's a we leave Friday, come home on Monday thing, just a long weekend. And we could shoot four or five shows out there, but really it's just – Getting away, relaxing, off the grid. Go kill something. We can kill something. Um, we can, we can definitely. We need to make that happen because it's honestly, guys, it's the most refreshing, mentally resetting situation or place that I can even offer. Um, it's just a good place to clear your head and relax and be with. Sounds cliche, but be with nature and sit around a firing and yeah, man, have good conversation for a few days. I'm down. We're actually. Well, you're going to be going on the 4th then, huh? Uh, yeah. We'll okay. be coming home on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because um, yeah, I'm serious about trying to kill all the protein I eat in this next year, like once I get it going. So they're changing up the, uh, the deer hunting regulations. I haven't had a chance to read up on it, but apparently it's going to be a, uh, <laughs> a rape and pillage situation because of CWD that's so bad right now. So I'm going to have a whole lot of tags post-deer season. To, uh, basically, they say you can kill them. It's, they, they said it's, this is not a license to harvest. This is a license to destroy. And I can bait them. I can shoot them at night. I can shoot them at day. There's no laws whatsoever. Thermals and night. Because there's so many? All kinds of fun. Like, is it but overpopulation? Is that like? The CWD is spreading. It's so violent. I mean, there's no cure. When they have it, they're dead. It's within two or three years. And the only way to keep it from spreading further is it's to coal. Yeah, basically, you know, um, reduce the size of the herd and, yeah, and you restrict. can't really eat those though. Either. No. So what they do is on those CBD hunts, you you call the conservation agent, Green Jeans, and say, "Hey, I got four doe at this or four deer at X location." They'll come pick them up. They'll take them to the processing plant down in uh, Perryville, and they do two things. One of two things. One, well, they'll test it. If it comes back clean, they will process the entire deer for you into burger for free or they'll give you the deer back you process it yourself and they'll pay you 75 bucks to do it i personally like deer burger because you can put it in chili manwich taco meat you know anything highly spiced you can't taste the deer well i mean we could go out and whack a whole bunch well, easy especially when now 
uh, Sandman S is in my possession, it's going to change things up tremendously. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to this year's deer season. Okay, Clip. so keeping it on hunting, right? Green, very much white belt hunter. I'm black, triple red stripe right here. Okay. This is my black belt area, so let's go. Okay, where do you start? Where do you, what are you hunting for? A deer. A deer? Honestly, starts property. You know, you should hunt, walk out back. You hunt, <laughs> well, I mean. Hunt, hunt in public land? You hunt, well, you know, I have my property, but how yeah. Much, how much land do you I have? I have 10 acres. That's plenty. Of, yeah. That's plenty. I mean, and then it's, I'm off grid 100%. It's very wild. That's it's very, perfect. You know. I mean, really, I mean, I just need to go out there and take a look at your property. I mean, find out where they're traveling, if they're on your property or if they're next to you. And then we just got to figure it out. Uh, Rev, I went to his property, and the first year he hunted, he got very lucky where he killed a deer. But uh, he was 50 yards from where he needed to be. You know, and la- I walked his property. I'm like, bro, you, you were in the wrong spot. You need to go from that ridge to that spot right there. And he yep. did it. And he had a crazy year last year. I've only seen, recently I've seen one young doe during the day but at night like right over here on the other side of the fence mm-hmm. when i was firing up i don't know if you saw i got that wood burning furnace plumbed into the house top and bottom it. no i was out there waiting for the i just changed the fuse out so i was waiting for the fan to kick on when it got a temp and i heard something over by the other side of the fence back edge of that leech field and i kicked on my headlamp and i saw all these eyes and i pulled out a pistol i had on me and hit it with a tack light for more lumens and i had all these deer just staring <laughs> at me like i literally hey, could have canoed this buck <laughs> like i had sights right on it i was like nine mil to the face drop this deer from here <laughs> <laughs> like um that's what you call alternative methods yeah there, sure there's whatever. a there's a loophole for that no really though i, w- I really want to do i want to harvest a deer get this sinew make my own oak like longbow, and then I'd really like to take one primitive someday. It's mm-hmm. a bucket list item to do. Because I used to, like, when we were in Oregon, we'd stock deer. Mm-hmm. You know, we wouldn't hunt a stand or anything. It's a different animal when you're doing that. So the, uh, the in-laws have 200 acres down in St. Jen, and I hunt that. I'm, my, they, my father-in-law hunts it as well, and I'm going to say hunt lightly because he, he's not a dark-to-dark, hardcore guy, and, and he's very successful at this property. The deer are just not heavily hunted. He'll literally go out and he'll kill in the first few hours. If Brian's down, he's just hunting for meat or just for the pull the trigger enjoyment and then he leaves. So I have 200 acres at my fingertips to hunt at that point. And there's a lot of times that there's just nothing going on. I don't hear any shooting around. I'll just walk and stalk all day long. Yeah. And you can, they own a ridge and a whole valley. So I can literally make loops nice and easy and, you know, put your scent kill on and just keep your eyes open. And it makes the day a little more enjoyable because you're getting a decent walk in it as well. Yeah. Even just uh, like last weekend, Ellie and I, Elliot and I went out on his boat. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw that. We took Aria. It was fun. Like we didn't catch anything. We just went down by Farmington. I uh, can't remember the name of that lake down there. Um, nobody was really on it, but uh, it's just fun. Just so, getting out. So when I lived in Florida, I ran on the side. I ran a boat fishing charter. I'm, yeah. I have my ca- captain's license. Obviously, why you call me captain? Yeah. I still have my light set up, my light bars, and my all my bow fishing stuff. See, I've been looking at. 17 foot john and bass boats to put a rig in after yeah. i did that i'm like yeah this is going to be a thing go and we 20. were we were talking about it go 20 yeah trust me it's it's more of the the beam the the width of the boat because once you get the the 17 it usually a little bit lower than 18 yeah you get two or three people on there and they fart in one direction it's like oh but if you get to 20 they're usually got a seven and a half foot beam which is the width and it's a little more stable 
Yeah. Especially when you're bow fishing, you get four guys in the front of that boat, your ass in sticking out. I know. I was looking at it for one, the truck size of the truck, although I'm yeah. probably getting eventually if everything works out right. You don't want a boat. Huh? You don't want a boat. I do want a boat. Yes, you do, Sam. You want a boat. You don't. Want a boat. It's, Listen, I'm telling don't you. listen. Here's a window. I'm closing the window right now. <laughs> okay. This window's closed. It's I love locked. a boat. I'm I love a boat. I grew up on boat. I'm locking this real quick. Just folk, look at me. Focus me. I've had boats before. <laughs> well, so for like a little, the re, that's the reason I was looking at one of the, some of the bass boats, yeah. just for something else to do. It, so here's, here's what's going to happen. If I can make it happen to where we can put li- my lights on some rig, even if it's temporary setup just for one night and i'll take your ass out there too i am gonna make you two addicted to bow fishing guaranteed I've guarantee it i would bet you almost my paycheck that you'd be like all right let's fucking go tomorrow night you want a funny bow fishing story i love bow fishing so stories. when i was a kid in oregon a branch of i believe it was the sayusala river was the back edge of my grandparents property mm-hmm. salmon steelhead running matter of fact i remember spearing one and getting in trouble um, but my dad, we, we had a cedar shafted arrow and this compound bow, and we drilled a hole through the knock. We made the most ghetto bow fishing rig. <laughs> ben, I've done that before, yeah. Literally, and literally, like, standing there with a bale open on this thing, and there's this salmon, and we shoot it or whatever, and it goes in, and the shaft breaks off, and you just see the shaft, like, like going, going, up, <laughs> going, up, going up the river. It was the most ghetto thing ever. It was like, this is Poe, people, bow fishing, son. It works. It did work, though. Yeah. So we go to, me and my buddies, we usually go down to Louisiana once a year. Um, we go down there for a charter with Marshmasters, so the oldest charter in the United States. Wow. And these are the Bayou Boys, southwest of Louisiana, about an hour and a half. And we go down there shooting redfish. Well, in Florida, shooting redfish is, like, highly illegal. Well, when I lived down there, I always put on, like, the, the Florida fishing. Look at all these fish that we kill with our bows, you know, from Louisiana. But everything's like, oh, you're going to get FWC called on you, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, bitch. <laughs> like, <laughs> not today, you know. But, uh, I mean, at one time, I had largest redfish killed by bow in the state of Louisiana. And then uh, my record got beat. And then the last trip we went on, I, almost, I was a half an inch shorter than the, the next record that beat me. So, I mean, it's, I'm telling you, man, it's. If you imagine going deer hunting, you're going to shoot your bow a thousand times in practice. Yep. Just to get that one shot. Yep. Imagine taking the thousand shots at, or hundred shots at night is that shot. It's, yep. it's a fucking blast, man. You hit that fish, you see that arrow jump around, you, the primal instinct of you of fishing will be engaged, I promise. Yeah. I I'm not I'm, disagreeing. It's not <laughs> about. You can't disagree with me. I am I'm not, not wrong. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I'm just saying the boat fact. Having a boat. It, but he's talking about a John boat. I'm not talking about. You're not like a boat boat. Like a John boat is not that. Like, okay. John, like it's just I don't like a mass boat I get with it. a motor oh. and everything rigged up. I can get him for like 2,500 right yeah. now. Oh, you see that boat for sale out in front of the gym? Your truck uh, can pull that. Not that boat. No, that's a boat boat. No. I mean a boat like Elliot's. You could pull that with your truck. Elliot's. Yeah, that's what I mean. Something okay. like, like a 20 foot John boat. His is like 15 though. I'm not. Uh. Uh-uh. I don't need nothing like that. Yeah, I think just something with enough because his his can also go like sixty miles an hour. Yeah, I don't need nothing. I'm not having to get around big lakes for oh. trophy hunting. Whatever, just something. I'm uh, something I can throw lights on. I'm telling you, you go bow fishing one time, especially you, and I'm sure there's itches in the back of that head. You get that itch with a bow, get <laughs> the bow in your hand, bro. You're gonna go fucking hammock. I'm telling you, I can see if all of my circle you, would you know, enjoy. It the you most. know how people do it in Hawaii. 
Is there like season for it? Where can you just go? You just go. They'll carry buckets of chow. What are you doing tomorrow night? Going to Pennsylvania. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Boop. No, chumming. I mean, yeah. But they'll go, they'll walk right out on like the edge of a, like a natural jetty or something. Throw shit in the water and all the reef fish will just come right there. I mean. All day. And they probably eat them right there on the spot. Could. So the one thing I hear is like the, the Asian carp. Yep. They're invasive species, not yeah, natural. You gotta get them. Yeah. You gotta get them. And they literally like kill them and then put them in your field fertilizer and let them go. Dude, I want to kill some. I was water skiing once. Yeah. I was water skiing and one of those motherfuckers took me <laughs> out, bro, straight in the knees. We've had him jump in the boat. Yep. Had him, I've seen him hit people in the face. <laughs> like, they're mon- and they're like 30, 40 pounds. Them things get they, big, they dude. They don't fuck around. No, dude. Like The first year we came back, or I came back to Missouri, I saw my boat, and I took it to uh, the Lock and Key in Illinois for a boat fishing tournament. Yeah. And I still have Florida plates on it. My boat was a center console, 22 foot. I mean, it was it was done right. And because uh, I've always been on the, the, the concept of pay for it once, cry right, about right. it once, and you're set. Yeah. We pull up and, he, you know, we're walking around, look at everyone's rigs, and these guys are like, this guy came away from Florida. What the fuck? We're so screwed. I'm like, nah, I'm just like you, dude. I'm like, <laughs> I don't even know where the fuck I'm at right now, you know? <laughs> but uh, we were shooting Asians, and um, we we did pretty good that tournament. But, yeah, the, they don't give a fuck. You just put it in low idle and just where you're barely making a wake, and those sons of bitches yeah, start jumping start out of everywhere. Yeah, they just start going, dude. Yeah. They just start going. It's crazy. You'll see hundreds of them. Yeah. Asian carp and gar. Kill them all. They're all, they just decimate the, the populations. They said, fucking kill them all. It's just fun. Absolutely. When I mean, we can walk a creek somewhere and go kill Gar. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I in. Was, I was I'm in. Ju- he don't says. threaten me with a good time. <laughs> I was jumping off a, we, we'd go on these, like, when I was at Atterbury, kayak and canoe deals. We'd rent them from the MWR on Camp Atterbury, and then we'd just fuck off when nothing was going on at work. And we are jumping off this old abandoned uh, bridge one day, railroad. And, Sounds like uh, a horrible idea. <laughs> well, we're jumping in, and I'm in there. I just hit the water. I'm waiting to watch my buddies jump in. I feel something bump into my leg. I'm like, the fuck was that? Bump again. And then, like, I was talking to my buddy Dan Byler, who's an avid hunter in the area. And I was like, yeah, man, I was in there. Some kept tapping in. He goes, it's probably those big-ass gar that hang out right there. And I was like, come again? He's like, yeah, dude, there's, like, some monster gar that hang out right in that area. Nope. Nope. People don't understand. When I was a kid, we were in Texas, and we were going fishing with one of uh, my dad's buddies. It's like a weekend-long camping trip, and we were on this uh, bridge, and they, they hooked a gar, and they reeled it in. I remember being a little kid, and they had this thing up there, and it was only like maybe like two foot, yeah. three foot, and this thing started coming at me, uh-huh. like snapping. It's, and this dude just stomped its head with his cowboy boots, eyes popped out. Yeah. He's like, I got him now. I'm <laughs> like, Holy, that's an alligator. He's like, yeah. Yeah. Like, no shit, son. So, I'm like, so, that's a dinosaur right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When we go to Louisiana, they, we shoot alligator gar while we're there. And the biggest one we took was over six foot long. That's insane. Have you ever been to the crazy. Chattanooga Aquarium? I have not. So, I've been to a bunch of aquariums. I personally think it's one of the coolest ones because they have a, a saltwater building and a freshwater building. But the whole thing is a giant aquarium. They're freshwater. And as you're walking down, it's like seven stories it's the different fish existing in these habitats. And at the bottom, they have all the monster sturgeon and gar. Fuck. Like 10-footers. Like just ginormous fish, dude. It's the coolest thing. If you're ever in Chattanooga, you have to check out the aquarium. 
It's just crazy those things are that big in water you just jump in. So right, everybody's <laughs> like, I'm afraid of sharks. I'm like, shark? Look at <laughs> that. I, I shot a I shot a shark one year in Louisiana. Yeah. What kind of shark? Bull. Damn. Yeah, they're blind as shit. They're you know that's violent. you know it wasn't very big, but it was fucking violent. You know Jaws is based off a bull shark? Yeah. That swam up and like was eat attacking people in Ohio. Because they can survive in, like, that kind of water. Like, Jaws isn't an ocean story. It, like, swam up a river in middle America and was fucking yeah. people up. <laughs> yeah. Let's see if I can find some pictures while we talk. So what do you guys think about the uh, orcas organizing Dude. against human, the human race? They're, all, they're motherfucking getting interspecies treaties they're with other dolphins and whales to help them. Because yeah. we underestimate... The wildlife and the fucking. They water. might be smarter than us. We don't know. I no, saw. I are. saw a meme. It was like, <laughs> it's like maybe taking a wild animal and keeping it in captivity was a bad idea. No shit. Right. Did you? But releasing it back into the ocean was probably a worse idea. There like, yeah, for, <laughs> like, There's a reason why Free Willy it gets was a movie. There. Yeah. It's like, hey guys, you know what these motherfuckers are doing? Yeah, dude. Like they got all of us locked up in cages and making There's us some do tricks and shit. Soccer mom named Karen. Look out for that chick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Little big shark. I'm so it wasn't very big. Still a shark. I gotta find that alligator gar picture. You like shark? I honestly, I've never had it. Really? Yeah. It's kind of steaky. Um, I'll eat just about anything, though. Like, on that show Meat Eater, when he ate the possum and he slow cooked it and brined it and everything, yep. and his family was like, this is amazing. What is this? I'm like... Dude, I legit think that's just about anything you could kill. I really do. Everybody's like, ah, no, nah, you don't want to eat that. I'm like, if you cooked it the right way, I bet you could, because poor people have been eating whatever they could kill for a long damn time. Damn right. That's true. Yeah, I can't believe that the, the orcas are doing that. That just That's so, like, we live gangster. in a comic book. We live in a comic book. Like, fuck, I, I can't even fathom that. Bro, Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg are fighting. That makes me and so Mark happy. Zuckerberg's mm, going to turn into a big reptile in the cave. <laughs> <laughs> you see that meme? I think he, he's that. Yeah, he's either a reptile or a robot, or a reptile robot, or Dude, a reptile robot with an, uh, versus an alien. But either way, GSP's training one of them. I know, right? That's crazy. So Zuck's big and jits, but I don't know how legit. Or he who started he's like a year ago, I think. I mean, I mean, you can learn a lot in a year, bro. And he seems to be very intelligent, so I think. I think he's going to be better at jujitsu than people assume. Oh, guaranteed. Um, I just love that Dana White was like, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Dana, we appreciate <laughs> you. He's like, money? Let's do it. Yeah, I mean, I'm all about it. I'm all about making the elite fight each other. But fight to the death. Like, what was that show, Celebrity Deathmatch? Yeah, I know. <laughs> you that's know, what I'm saying, like, fight to the death. I legit <laughs> wanted Trump and Biden to fight, because oh. Biden said, I'd smack him in the head. I was no, like, this wouldn't. is how Celebrity Deathmatch starts. Dude. You'd smack Donald Trump in your hand with the Sanctioned, Congress-sanctioned MMA fights Dude, to settle got, beefs. I'm related and to Andrew Jackson. My grandfather told me before he died. And I was like, well, that makes sense why I'm such a fan of bringing dueling back. <laughs> he stabbed a guy outside Congress for talking shit. Like, like you want to go? Let's go. <laughs> like, dude. But the comic book world we live in is insane. And I, this season is crazy. For real. <laughs> right. The, the elite are fighting. The orcas are killing us. We have space 
force. Aliens <laughs> next, <laughs> aliens next the year. Alien, the aliens are real. Buckle up. They're coming out saying it. Like, get ready. They've been they've admitted it. They're I know. Like, that's what I'm saying. And like, and no be- one gives a shit. No, but, well, it's because <laughs> no one cares. Nobody believes it because of all the nonsense in the news. And then you're like, this is in C-SPAN and congressional testimony. Welcome to the Thunderdome, bitch. <laughs> this is the head of the Defense Intelligence Agency going. Yeah, there's aliens. Yeah. Whatever. It's yeah. a thing. Yeah, we've known for a while, guys. <laughs> like. How did been. how did Jackie say that? They're like, are you ready for the alien invasion? She's like, I was ready since yeah. fucking Independence Day came out. You know what everybody asks? Right. They go, when's the next episode of Jersey Shore? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Family vacation. I watched oh, my in, trash TV. Independence too. Day is a great movie, though. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Welcome to Earth. Wham. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dude. So the other night we were at the house, and the brother-in-law came out of the house. He bought some new toys. He wanted to shoot, and we're sitting there, and we got to a good bullshit session. I got dark. And I looked up, and I just see, like, 50 lines in a row. I'm like... Yeah, you sent it to us. It was Starlink. Oh, I did yeah, send yeah, it to yeah. you? Okay. Mm-hmm. Dude, I sure? Said I'm like, insert my fucking full cap real quick. I'm like, oh, my God. But yeah, it ended up being Starlink satellites. And yeah, that's what they tell yo, you. Yo, know. Steve has that. What's that? Starlink? Yeah. I'm, I'm on the wait list for it. Said it works good. I thought about jumping on the wait list. Yep, do it. Highly recommended. So, where I'm at, I jumped to the T-Mobile uh, high speed, which is fast, twice as fast as... All these local bullshit. You ever done HughesNet or any yeah, of those? That's what I'm talking about. Sucks. Local bullshit. Yeah, they suck. Expensive. Um, but T-Mobile is like 50 bucks a month, locked in forever, and it's twice as fast as what I've been like, really twice as fast as what I was getting. Right now, still, it's only like 12 meg, versus 150 with Starlink. Yeah, it's as fast as what I have here. That was one thing I asked when I. They're like, man, you're out in the country, and I was like, how's the internet? Because I knew how HughesNet was. You're in Internet. Rural Missouri. But Star- but was st- well, the beauty of Starlink is, too, if you have solar back up at your house, Bloom could go up, and you'd be like, what, hap- what, what happened? Yep. I'm still watching YouTube videos of, like, cats fighting and shit. Like, Fucking right. Yeah. Those are the best Whatever. I did no change. No big deal. Imagine f- people fighting. Dude, like I barely have phone signal where I'm at. You guys know, talking about I'm aware, because we'll talk <laughs> on the phone, and I'll lose you. Eric will be like, hold on, i got to climb on top of the camper real quick. <laughs> <laughs> hold up, I'll call you right back. What are you doing? I'm just, I had to get a launch here. It's going to be a long one. Yeah. I'm in the signal tree. Although, real talk, you could get a cell extender for your thing, and yeah. that would help immensely. Just yeah. a cell booster extender, and you'd probably get, especially that hill you're on. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So these are alligator gar. They're only like four foot long. But that was one night. You ever eaten one? I have. So if you cook them, it's like carp. They're bony, but if you do it right. Like so one, So, my buddy, his stepdad takes all his big clients down there every quarter. So he drops big money down there. Well, through affiliation, we get the same rare carpet treatment. And we've become really good friends with the guys and the family that runs the operation down there. And we're like, hey, we think we're going to do a shrimp bowl. And he's like, well, I'll, the owner's like, well, I'll just invite all the family over. And we'll make a big deal out of it. So we're like, fuck it. So we went and bought a shitload of shrimp right off the boat. Yeah, you know, and brought some uh, blue claw crab, and everyone brought these sides. And this l- older lady brought gar balls, and it's like meatballs that are made of gar meat. Yep, and it was edible. I saw something I would like. Oh, I can't wait till I have that again, you know. But I've I've eaten it to say, you know, I know what it tastes like, but it's edible. I mean, in a pinch, if I in a, a you could live off of yeah, it. Yeah, in a yeah. situation, that's definitely a food source. Yeah, for well, sure, it's super healthy for you because all they eat is. Meat. It's like I said, man. You could literally eat anything yeah literally like if you read about like some of the things pe- the poor people in the bayou eat 
Oh, they're like people are like you're out of your mind. That's the best meat. That's a legacy. Or delicacy is what I meant to say. Dude, there's like full on weeds, quote unquote, that we've been told. I can't even. Uh, it's not mullein. It's colon or something, but it just grows. Like it's the weed that you would rip out of your driveway or yep. in between the whatever. But it's has more vitamin C than an orange. <laughs> more vitamin A. Like Mo- it's most, better than broccoli. It's most better weeds. than. So Missouri actually has, I don't know if you guys know this. I think I told you this when I first started the gym. The conservation department for the state of Missouri, they have all these free classes you can go to. Nature walks, they'll teach you how to make pawpaw butter. They'll, uh, they actually, it was the year we were moving my parents here. And Joe, because um, Joe helped me move mom and dad from Colorado. They were doing a primitive bow making class south of here about an hour. And you only had to pay... I think it was 50 bucks for uh, your string and something else. But you literally planned and made your own bow in a day. And we were just barely missing it. But they do that kind of, if you look on their website, they have classes like that. Foraging. Oh, yeah. They'll send you whole homeschool kits for your kids for science and about conservation and things like they'll have the whole like lesson plan laid out for you how to teach it no how to, shit. Yeah, yeah for Missouri, sure Missouri's got like some yeah. legit programs in place when right. Aria's a little older I plan on taking her on weekends to go to a bunch <laughs> of that stuff just cause it's cool stuff anyway yeah, it's like, I had no idea yeah and they yeah. do like things with wild like, edible uh, walks they'll send you uh, local trees that they've uh, what do you call it when they cultivate they make them turn into roots or whatever they cuttings, or cuttings or whatever they, they'll send you those to plant for free so my aunt, she's a real big plant enthusiast, and apparently the American walnut is slowly disappearing. It's turning into a hybrid walnut, and there's this big organization that's based just on the research of the American walnut. So they're trying to find that they call it a super tree, which is all American. Oh, looky there, a big-ass bucket full of walnuts. <laughs> Acorns. Because it's a project I have, uh, acorn flower. You, you, you crack them, you got to leach the tannins out. Yeah. And you, so you soak them, drain them, and you do that a bunch of times till it comes out clear. But then you dry them, pulverize them, and I got a Vitamix, which makes this stuff easy. And you literally make it flour. You can use it to augment your bread, and it gives a higher protein content. It's healthy. No shit. Yep. Huh. huh. Neat. Nature. Well, would you look at that? <laughs> How and about that? And I was going to get more. That was just us going out there with Aria and like, Hey, let's pick some of these up, put them in a bucket, just having fun. And it's a project. It's just with all this craziness going on, I haven't got around to it yet. But they're sitting there waiting. And acorns are like an optimal uh, survival food, too, if you look at, like, nutrients and protein. Bitter as fuck, though. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, as a fat guy, that's what sugar's for. (laughs) (laughs) Our pig loves them. He'll break out of his cage, go to the other side of the property, just chill and eat acorns, and then he'll come home at the end of the night. And, right. <laughs> Go get his acorn fix. What a beast! <laughs> so cool. That's wild. Yeah, Dad's got uh, I think four or five walnuts trees, like the hatchlings, or you want to call them yep. at the house. He's like, "You want these?" I'm like, "Nah, I'm good. I'm trying to get rid of trees, not grow more." Yeah, it's me. There's I'm problem. trying to grow all the trees. I want to live in the woods, so I'm just trying to turn my stuff the woods. Do you want a walnut tree? Sure. I'll yes. Get you, I'll get you a walnut tree. Absolutely. Okay. I'll bring you one next week. Bet. Cool. That's exciting. I'll yeah. Get you <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. 
Let me send my dad a text real quick. We got wild plums. We have pawpaw. We have uh, persimmons. So you need that pawpaw we have, in class. Um, we have a few, uh, like, post oaks that are, like, we're letting grow out. Yep. Um, we got some willow trees going. Um, you need bamboo. No, I'm any. scared of bamboo. I kind of want to. I want to dabble in it, like make like a the front wall with that, or like try to like uh, that one house on the on Y. Well, if I could plant um to just have a natural wall or oh, like yeah, a natural but fence, but that's you, what I how do about you doing on the front? But they go. You just got to keep it back. Yeah, that's okay. I'm tr- I know having a hard gro- time keeping back the grass right now. Ba- <laughs> bamboo, bamboo grows a foot a day. Yeah, dude, come on. <laughs> bamboo's invasive too, man. Once it yeah. once it's there, you ain't getting rid of it. That's what I'm saying. Bamboo's useful too, though. Oh, definitely. definitely. But how much do I want to commit to bamboo? You know, it's like the uh, the Jerusalem artichoke. If you can buy those and plant them, mm-hmm. it's a great survival food because it's invasive. But if you have a piece of your property you don't really care about, it's a tuber. It's, it's sort of like a potato. Mm-hmm. Um, but it grows, it produces like crazy. The only thing is opposed to potatoes, flavor's a little bit different and it'll make you gassy a little bit, but it's like a subsistence deal. It's like potatoes, but you don't have to mess with it or redo any of it. It's just like, yeah, I just go over there and pull them out of the ground, like big ones. I think the one of the trees that's most invasive in this country is the Russian olive. That thing is just, it's an ugly tree and it's it just decimates everything. And there's... It's almost impossible to get rid of them. Like, we have to cut them, pour diesel on them with a mixture with some kind of pesticide. It cannot be, cannot be good for the water palette, I'm sure. Kill it with fire. <laughs> <laughs> but they say, like, you just can't, you can't get rid of them once you got them. You're screwed. And I got them on my property. I know that for God, a fact. That's like when you see some of the stuff, like when I was in Georgia, the invasive stuff, the kudzu vine. Dude, it was all over the back of my property. The first year I was in there, and I was just renting the – how it was on the fence in the back. I had my buddy Rob come over, and for like a day, him and I just went nuts. And within a year, like he had left, and it was still, it was almost grown up as bad. And I was like, nope, you win, Kudzu Vine. I'm not doing that again. It ain't worth it. This ain't my house. Because I would have had to cut the woods back. Yeah. Legit. Like, yeah. I'm like, nope, not playing that game yeah. at all. We got wild grapes. I'll tell you that. They're popping oh, up. That's cool. Yeah. I grew up wild grapes. Yeah. You gonna make wine? I don't know if I have enough. Takes a lot. I don't know if I can reach them. Snip, snip. Just cut yourself. (laughs) Get a get a machete. They're they're higher than you think. Oh, Mm -hmm. oh. they're high. Like in the trees. Oh shit! Oh wow! Yeah, it's like they bind all the way up there. That's but they're popping up. Like they you get, eat them? Dude, they're so good. Yeah, they're super bitter. Like really? Yeah. Well, don't eat the don't eat the skin. You're supposed to squeeze them and pop. The inside. Uh, yeah, don't eat the skin. Just squeeze it. Okay. And then didn't know that. Break the seed out. Spit the seed out and swallow the rest. Is it mulberries? They like they grow mm-hmm. like look like a flower. Yep. Yeah. We have those like right on our road. We just roll down the window and grab handfuls of mm-hmm. them before we start driving. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I want to set up a like at least three day a week would be optimal canoe trip. When I was a kid in Oregon. I was in the Boy Scouts. We were kind of like the Bad News Bears Boy Scouts, though, because we lived in the middle of nowhere. There's nothing else to do. So all the dudes in school, like, played everything, and mm-hmm. we did that. And once a year, we'd do this canoe trip, and it was in Oregon. And so everybody had those, like, backpacking rods. 
you know, the one, the telescoping oh, yeah. ones. Oh, yeah. And uh, everybody would have rods in the water. And every night, it was cool because, you know, the, the adults, the scoutmasters who'd run it would, uh, they'd say, hey, tell your kids, bring some money. Because there'd be like little gas stations at bridges and stuff along mm-hmm. the way. And we'd be in there grabbing, you know, candy bars and bullshit. And we didn't realize at the time they're in there. They're floating coolers full of beer. You know, they're the right. grown-ups having fun. <laughs> they're chilling. But every night we're camping on the beach, and like every almost every night, we were having pan-fried fish, and one of the scoutmasters had a Dutch oven and a big thing of Bisquick, and he'd hand us this big bowl. He'd be like, "All right, go fill it with blackberries because they grow like crazy." Every single night we had fresh blackberry cobbler. Yep. Every single night it was awesome. Yeah, dude, yeah. the amount of blackberries we have on blackberries. How many blackberries do you think I need? By the number, I don't want to know gallons. I want to know exactly how many. Oh, <laughs> numbers or gallons, I can probably get closer. Um, it takes a lot. I mean, it takes a lot to make wine. You're probably talking 100 gallons. 100 gallons. Yeah, because you got to squeeze and drain and. Gross. It's a lot. It is a lot. I that's, probably that's, have 100 that's, gallons. That's making a full barrel, like 55 gallons. Oh, barrel. I'm talking. No, like you can do like gallons. 20, 20 gallons. Yeah. You can do 20, 30 gallons, and you can get probably a, a good five a good five gallon batch going. Okay. And it takes about six months for it to cook, and you're set. That's good. Mo. Uh, a lot of sugar, though. I almost got Mo out here for the podcast, which would have been dope, although I'm kind of glad since Rev's gone that Mo wasn't here for this episode because he'd have liked to meet him. Mo's like kind of legendary in the Army, Silver Star winner, in for the Distinguished Service Cross. He's in Is this the a bo- scientist dude that No, he's about? in the book Dog Company. He's okay. a buddy of mine I served with. Um, Really close friend of mine. Um, but he, like, when we were running a uh, counter-IED training for a task force going to Iraq, working together, we were making our own IEDs. Mm-hmm. Now, we had a simulator, but we would make our own triggers, like our own pressure plates, our own stuff. And they needed one of us to go work at the counterinsurgency lab, making uh, IEDs as trainers. And he got so good, the FBI started coming in, and he was making ones they couldn't solve. He had a passive infrared. He had a boombox in his office. When you'd walk in and go to walk past a point, and he had taken a garage door sensor with a passive infrared eye, and he had shaved it down to a beam. And whenever you'd cross that beam, it would turn the radio on and blare it right in your face. <laughs> it was hilarious. Got you, all, bitch. <laughs> he had all kinds of stuff like that, man. Um, and he's kind of a mad scientist about all things. Like, last time I went out, he had gallons of his own wine. He was out picking dandelions, making dandelion wine mm-hmm. out of his front yard. It was really good. If you can ferment it, you can make it into it. He anything. did, man. He made, he was making, he's like, yeah, I got like, this If you can wine. ferment it, you can get drunk off Damn it. Damn right. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of yeast, you're good to go. Yeah, he's a good dude, though. But it's kind of like new if we get together with ideas. It's like. It's kind of dangerous. It's like you start. We could do this. Oh, what if we did this and that? Oh, that's crazy. Like, um, he and I could be friends. Him and I were talking about make using the array he made and uh, filling a sealed PVC tube with compressed air, and then making an array, cutting uh, carbon carbon arrows, stabilizing them, and then have the eye with a game camera that you could trigger, and then if something walked in front of it. Dude. Cause it'd be easy. And he already was making I it was the same thing. Once right. you know the trigger system, it's the same. Everything else is downhill. That's fucking dope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, but that's the kind of stupid shit we come up with. It's like when New was here last time and we made priming compound. 
And we're out here popping priming compound with hammers. <laughs> and news out there making his own black powder out in Utah. I got to retract my walnut, my American walnut. It's an American chestnut. Oh, um, okay. So the American chestnut is the endangered one, not the walnut. You have one? Yeah. What about oh, okay. American yeah. deez nuts? No. Unlike Anthony's getting those removed right now. <laughs> 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 oh, shit. Okay. Chestnuts are cool. Hell yeah. yeah we'll make it happen. I'll, I'll bring it up uh, next week. We got the uh, next week's long. Four hours. Father Mark, last podcast. Oh. He's retiring. When, when is that one? At 11 a.m. on Friday. 11 uh, 3? Yeah. Okay. We blocked four hours. That's going to be so much fun. Yep. I hope I, we get the splitter so I can be in this conversation again. We or are. Or the share. I, share we, we need to write. We need to you write. You can share down, mine. Yeah. I'll write share down yours. questions. Share mine. I'm going to make a list this next week. Like, I want to know about the exorcisms. Dude. I do too. That's on I the wonder list. how long. Is he a virgin? I want to know. I'm going to say yes. I want to know if I'm going to say no. I want to know if you need an old priest and a young priest. For a, a exorcism? exorcism. Mm. Remember the movie? <laughs> no problem. <laughs> I that man intrigues me. Like that's so crazy. I, I can't even fathom to that lifestyle. Like I don't I'm not I even disciplined enough to do that. I'm not leave here and I'll sin on the way home. Like, I will <laughs> I will say He's not saying he's not a sinner. Yeah. Some of the questions I asked him, I've asked other, I've asked pastors before, and I had never been satisfied with the answer I got necessarily. And his answers, I was kind of like, not a hundred percent satisfied, but definitely like. Yeah, I mean, okay. but there's something to say when a guy who's supposed to be speaking on something so truth that he's like, I don't know, too, guy. Yeah, he's he's, like, that shit's was, crazy, guy. When, like, go, when we're talking about books of the Bible that have been left out, like Councils and Nicaea and mm-hmm. all these other things, and he's like, yeah, 100% a bunch of stuff's been repressed by the church to control humanity. And this is a guy who and belongs I, to that organization. And I can, res- like, I can respect that. Don't bullshit me. I, 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 I love that. Mm-hmm. I think that's the best thing about it. He was being sincere like a, a normal dude. Like if you were just yeah. listening, didn't know he was actually a legit. Yeah. It's like a white lot of collar wearing. Okay, but that's what uh, he's the quote like so called black belt of religion. Yeah, yeah. right. The clairvoyant the, priest. The, the clair, yeah, the clairvoyant priest. But he's coming at you like, no, dude, I'm just a guy too. Right. You know, I just do things this way. You guys do things that way. Yeah. You know, he just does it the way he wants to do it, and that's cool, man. So like, respect. He's just a dude, and he's like. Yeah, who's to say priests can't be sinners? I mean, that's kind of against, every, against the point. Everybody's a sinner. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of against the point, you know. Yeah. Did you ever see uh, Netflix did this? Uh, it was a show. It was about an island, and they redid the like vampire myth, mm-hmm. and it was like, uh, and it was like modern, but I, I wish I could think of the name of the show because I just tell you guys to watch it because I don't want to ruin it, but it was like. They did such a good job with it, like a, a priest going over and like to the Holy Land when he was going to die mm-hmm. and like just the whole way it went down and their slant on it kind of like it was just mm-hmm. such a good like uh, it was a horror show, but the like twist they put on it and the mm-hmm. 
the stuff it was like man they did a great job with this really good like i don't watch a lot of tv at mm-hmm. all like since it's just been me and ari here my power bill has dropped drastically because like last night i watched finally netflix because the new witcher series started and i watched like an episode while i ate dinner but for the most part i don't i end up I'm so tired after training. I tend to come home, make dinner, and then Eric and I send each other stupid reels until I fall asleep. Like <laughs> it's, it, that's legit. What is it? How'd you like that line one I sent you guys last night? Oh yeah, dude, I saw that. I'm like, I'm sharing this with the boys. <laughs> Don't open your mouth and look up. <laughs> Drip. <laughs> in the in the you know you look at the guy. <laughs> so to give you all a visual, it was a. I guess a, a tour of an African safari where a female lioness was laying on top of the cage and then a male lion decided it's go time and they were banging on top of this utility vehicle and the people under the cage are basically looking up watching these two uh, get it on. It was absolutely epic. Dude, it blows me away. When I was watching, I was watching Primitive Hunts the other night yeah. on YouTube, I was just like... That's a deep rabbit hole. I watched a guy kill a polar bear. Now, they had dogs. I'm out. He shot it in the shoulder. He had a recurve. I'm he shot it in twice. the shoulder the first time. Then he shot it. He got a through and through on the lungs. And he was the 12th person in the world to kill a polar bear with a, a bow. And I go back to... It's like I tell people all the time. Like you, It's like the funny elk story, right? Like In reality, if that thing got... I'd have been a dead man. 100%. I would not be here. And... People don't respect animals. Even if you go to uh, Africa, mm-hmm. right, when we were first out there, like, um, you ever seen there's a black powder? It almost looks like a double barrel sawed off shotgun black powder. It's called the howda. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. You know the history of it? I do not. So, a howda is, you know, the big basket on the back of elephants mm-hmm. that people ride in? Yeah. That's called a howda. The reason that gun is called the howda is because. Tigers were jumping out, ripping people out of those baskets, running off into the woods with people. Humans, just grabbing them and running off into the woods. There's a video of that. That gun is literally a last-ditch effort, oh, fuck, there's a tiger gun. It's a sawed-off, last-ditch, double-barrel, as much shit as we can pump into this mini cannon named after the basket to keep that fucking apex predator from tearing you off of it into the woods. That's the howda. The more you know. New has one. They're, they're pretty dope. But yeah, it's like, oh, it's this cool gun. It's whatever. And then you look at the history of it, and it's like, even with, you know, firearms technology at the time, they had to come up with that solution because the animals still didn't give a shit. Uh, that video of the guys with that uh, uh, ox... That water buffalo in Africa, they were slamming that thing with big, like, like African big game rifles, and they shot that thing like eight times, and it's charging the guy. The one guy gets out of the way, and the other two guys are shooting it, and that's just a water buffalo charging them. Those are really, really big bullets. Like, that's a whole different thing, man. <laughs> yeah, dude. The, there's literal monsters. For real. <laughs> like, literal monsters. Dude, like, you, we, I don't think people can, like, we can't fathom 
the truth of reality anymore because we're not in a situation where our homie just got ripped out of a basket. You know, like you might like what happened? Well, George, you know, got smoked today. I, I heard this story. It was in an old book uh, about like big game. Like uh, it was like African hunt stories or something. And there was this like world renowned trophy hunter or whatever. And this village had a black mamba that had been wiping out the village and this guy went out and he figured it out. He killed this thing. Well, the villagers were sep- like celebrating that night and whatever. And he's like, you know, they're like throwing a feast for him and all this stuff. Well, there was like a porta shitter they'd put in the village. And he went out to the porta shitter and uh, he sat down on the seat and he looked down and he just saw a set of eyes staring at him. And a black mamba jumped up and bit him on the hand. And in 1911, he shot the thing, and he said, he, and he sat there, and he just lit a cigarette because he's like, "I'm a dead man. Black Mamba just bit me." And he finished that cigarette, and he lit another one, and he like finished two or three cigarettes. He's like, "Okay, something happened. I didn't die." So he went out and he got near fire where he could see his hand. The thing had bit him in the webbing of the hand, and its fangs through. had gone all the way through, so none of the venom got him. And apparently, Black Mamba's like uh, mate for life or something. And that was the oh, mate. Oh, fuck. Crazy stories like that. Hunted like, his ass back. The most poisonous snake in the world. Right. And it like bit him through the web of the hand. How gangster is that? Dude. Wild, right? I mean, honestly, if something killed my wife, I'm coming for it too. And it's just having that primal instinct in a fucking snake. <laughs> <laughs> gangster. And oh, you my know, God. You know the most... Venomous snake in the world just bit you, and you're like, "Well, it's been real." This one last smoke. First of all, that's a gangster (laughs) thing. You're like, dude, didn't panic. He's just like, "Well, I'm dead," and I've been there. Like, I remember having those thoughts a few times. Like, "Well, I'm dead." I've said it. Watching the JDAM, we had a JDAM Danger Close in Rawa. I did testing on JDAMs. That's a badass bull. I was 200 yards away. That's too fucking close, Sam. Way inside minimum safe distance. Way too close. I literally, like, it was like a black... I just marked a bunker that we had cleared. They, there was, like, a mobile cache. We were taking down this Al-Qaeda stronghold. And, um, marked this bunker. We were pulling away because we had... You know, we marked it mm-hmm. by where we had killed these guys in the mobile cache and cleared it, and we were going to J-Dam it and then get out. Well, when we were backing out, we got took fire from this mansion... And it was like legit, like a mansion. And my squad maneuvered on it. I went in. Uh, me and one of my guys cleared the balcony where the guy had been shooting. And he had got away because I fully expected to come out and be shooting at this dude. And he had skirted off into these like this graveyard ruin area. And I come back downstairs. My platoon leader is downstairs. And he says, Sam, get inside. They're dropping a jet. And there were legit like 12-foot windows like side by side in this living room in this house like floor to ceiling and over his shoulder I just see this black dart drop out of the sky like and you know in the movie that like bubble yep it's not a movie it's a real thing I know we were on this hill and uh it rolls up this hill and I literally was just like we're dead like I just like we're dead (laughs) and the pressure wave kind of knocked the air out of me. I remember hitting a knee and the windows flexed like this far for the listening audience. It was like they flexed probably two feet 
Like, when they flexed in with that, I expected him to bust and us to just be shredded from the glass. But it must have been plexiglass or something. I don't know. But they were just like, wah, 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 wah. The overpressure. I maintain the only reason we were okay. Was the door open? The door was open. That's it was why. a big room. And I think because we were on a hill, we got some refractive wave. Yeah. Like, it wasn't straight on. Because, like, minimum safe distance, the bare minimum, I think, is, like... 500 meters yeah or something like bare minimum we we're well inside that like danger we we're inside danger close like any other time that have been a broken arrow like, like you're calling in expecting to die yeah and they had already the fire mission was on it just happened we we're just stupid close we were so lucky we're dead because I, like, <laughs> I said it i was like it like just i'm like we're dead it was wild man Wild. So one of the projects I was on was the, the Mop Bomb, which is the massive ordnance penetrator. It's mm-hmm. a bunker buster. And they built this bomb to basically blow up Osama bin Laden because they thought he was in the, the, caves. the caves of <laughs> Afghanistan. So they recruited like three uh, machinists, uh, one me for the one mechanic and a couple other uh, engineers. And we were getting a debriefing and they were showing us like video of them testing this. And you could see three different shockwaves. One come off the nose, one come off the front of the tail section, one come off the rear tail section. They dropped it from like 60,000 feet, and they hit a poster board. That's how accurate it was. And you see it go down, and then it blows up. And it's like this much less than a nuke. And I asked him, like, so how far down does it go before it blows up? He's like, it's classified. I'm like, fuck. Okay. You know, and then they're like, whatever you see here, you know, whatever you do, it's obviously a black hole project, all classified, don't mention it. It was like three months later, shit's on Discovery Channel. I'm like, that's classified. <laughs> but that was probably one of the coolest projects I was on because the engineering group, they were just badass dudes. They gave me a battle coin when we were done, you know. And it was, that, was a, that was a fun project. But, yeah, the bombs that Boeing produces, especially the JDAM, they're bad motherfuckers. They're highly accurate, and they make big boom. Huh. One of my uncles, uh, he's dead now, but he, uh, he was actually on the team that developed the tracking system for the Sidewinder missile. Um, he was in Japan mm-hmm. for a long time. Like, both my cousins were, like, like my youngest cousin, I think, was five and was helping. He was bilingual, helping new kids do whatever. They came back to the States. Like, both my both my cousins were, like, a couple grades ahead. And, like, they're stupid smart. It's ridiculous. But So when I started working down in Florida, uh, Lockheed in Orlando was one of my clients. And he's like, well, it's your first time coming here. It's probably going to take two or three weeks to get security clearance, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, eh, that might come back a bit quicker for me. He goes, well, why am I my top security clearance already? That's activated. Were you SCI? No. No. Oh, wait, no. Well, Special it, compartment and yes, information? Yes, yes, Star, with, with, star level. With polygraph? Yes. So they, uh, I told him, I said, it's probably going to come back a bit quicker because I'm an ex-Boeing employee, work black hole projects, top security level clearance. There's... You have your initial level security, then you have the triangle, then you have the star. I had the star. And um, he's like, well, why do you have top security clearance? And I had to go through my whole resume. Dude was like 45 minutes later. He's like, you're right. You're good. You're coming in. And then we got done with my meeting and everything. And uh, at the end, he's like, you want to go see some cool shit? I'm like, I'm Boeing, dude, man. Of course I want to see what Lockheed's got going on in the oven. And he took me to the Sidewinders. And he's like, yeah, Boeing actually makes the, some of the guidance program or software for this. Like, that's fucking dope. So you'll like this. I was on FOB Warhorse in Iraq when I was in recon. And uh, all we were doing was we were, uh, at this time, we were the regimental ARF air ready force. So everybody who did time-sensitive targets, we would rotate through being the air mobile force to launch for high-value targets. And uh, 
we were trying to get, um, we were trying to use certain assets and to work with people. So I had a buddy who had been an infantry guy and he worked in the regimental skiff. And so I'm like, Hey man, can we, can we get in there? I want to talk to you guys about some things. We're in the regimental skiff. We're riffing on stuff. Me, my buddy Chuck and him, and we're talking about assets. We want where we want to put them, what we want to do and all this shit. And the NCIC, the skiff comes up and he's talking to us for a minute. He's laughing. He goes, yeah, man, I'm going to see your clearances. And I'm like, I don't have a clearance. And, and he goes, that's funny, dude. And I go, yeah, I'm not joking. <laughs> and he goes, you're serious. And I go, well, I have a, um interim because that's all we had time to do, like before the deployment. So bam, bam, bam. And he goes, you don't have a clearance. You're in the regimental skiff. You're talking like TSSCI yeah. like, and all these things. Dude, I've signed so many NDAs. <laughs> <laughs> I could literally go to prison for the rest of my life. Like some of the stuff I know that we had back then, like what we have now, I can't imagine. Like people wouldn't even believe it. I'm like, yeah, like I'm like, wait, we can do that. That's cool. cool. So, can, what do I got to do to get that? Dude, I can remember when I got my the second level clearance. FBI came in and had an interview. Me, it was three hours long, and one of the questions the guy asked was very beginning. He had a yellow notepad and a pen, and he goes, "Have you ever had a auto fine?" over the amount of $350. I said, well, I got a couple of them. He goes, what happened? I'm like, well, it's kind of a long story. That motherfucker leans back in his chair, puts his hands behind his head. He goes, I got time. I'm like, oh, fuck, here we go. Dude, every word I said, he wrote down. Literally every, he had, that full notebook was full when we were done. You know the worst question the I worst interview ever got asked in a polygraph? Have you ever betrayed the trust of someone who you cared about or cared about you? That's a tough one. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, you're instantly thinking of, like, well, there was that one time I lied about stealing cookies when I was six. <laughs> like, shit. Yep. And they're like, you good? It's like, well, everybody has. Like, it's that's more a loaded, dilemma right like, now. Dude, that's a loaded question. Can like, you give me a time frame? Yes. Can you give me an answer? Like, just one? Like, <laughs> it's like, dude, like, that's so loaded. I told my dad I didn't steal a piece of gum, but I did. I feel awful about it. I said, Seriously? I swore to God I gave this kid in second grade 35 cents back after I borrowed. I didn't pay him back. How about <laughs> this one? Have you ever stolen property from a place at which you've worked? And I'm sitting there going, I'm in the army. <laughs> Every day. I, I literally ripped off the entire AHA when we left that place for the, for the explosives because we were short on demo. Now, I didn't use them for anything other. Like, I literally did it so we used them for when we left because we were short on demo and I needed it for missions we were about to go on. But I'm sitting there going, yeah, we took everything out of there. There's no, like, official signing thing, but I'm like, that's kind of a loaded question, dude. Like, I'm not yeah. really sure how to answer that, you yeah. know? Like, come on. I had to be interviewed for a buddy's uh, secret clearance. Nice. I was at, I worked for a furniture store, and I worked in the warehouse, and my boss, who, dude, he, gangster, he's a gangster. He, uh, I'm doing my job, whatever, and he comes back, and he's like, hey, dude, there's somebody from the FBI here looking for you. Never and, something you want to hear. <laughs> and I'm like... I'm like, just stop. Like, dude, I'm probably like pushing a couch on a dolly, you know? And I'm like, dude, what? <laughs> and he's like, not every, cool. He's like, everything good? Like, what? Is there anything going on? He's like, you need me to stall him? Like, what do you, like, what's going on? And I'm like, dude, I have no idea. I guess I'm going to go talk to this guy for the FBI. And I go out there and he's like, hey, you know, such and such. And, da, da, da. and I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. Cause like, he told me, hey, I'm going to put you on this thing. You yeah. expect a visit, you know? And I'm like, 
sitting in the the viewing showroom. We're just sitting on some couches in the middle of like people shopping and stuff. And he's asking me all these questions about, you ever did uh, he ever do this or do this? I'm like, I don't know, man. This guy's lived on my couch for like a year and a half. Like, <laughs> well, that's like they. they uh, it, I, and I don't know the full process, but depending on what the job is and what they're looking for, like, especially some of the pipelines some buddies of mine have been in, you don't, they don't want choir boys. Yeah. Right. Right. But it's, uh, so you got to wonder what the, what the line is. Because these dudes are. Yeah, dude, they don't care if you smoke some pot. They really don't care. No, I guarantee I'm it. I'm talking worse than that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, no, I know. But that's what I'm saying. Like, that little like, part. Oh, you, like, hey, hey did, he, this so this guy, did he ever do any drugs with you? And I'm like, nope. And, he, and he's like, okay. You know, like, he knows. They're not idiots, right. dude. Like, they're not dumb. I mean, m- when I did that interim, they called my neighbors, who I've never met before. Like, we just moved in this new house. And they came and were like, "Hey, man, is your name so and so?" I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "Dude, there's there's pipelines." Yeah, they called. Well, I got my me. I got my clients. They called like my neighbors and yeah. stuff. Like, there's yeah. pipelines where they go back to when you were in high school, and they get all your records forever and seal them. Oh, you I, don't. You I, don't I, exist. I believe that. They asked me for every address I've ever had in my life. I'm like, yeah, I, I dude, change that's address I like hate, every year for dude, like ten years. The bro. first time <laughs> I the first time I filled out an SF86, I was like. I don't remember where I lived last year. Like, you want to what saved my ass? PayPal. Every time I moved, I had to change my address because eBay was a thing back then, yeah. and it had every one of my addresses. I'm like, oh, thank God! Like, that's yeah, what that's saved crazy. my ass. Dude, all I had to like, call and they my asked mom. Down to the day almost. And yeah. It's like you can't have any breaks. I'm like, this year, this month, to this year, this month. I can't give you an exact date. Yeah, they like uh, when I did mine. It was you can't have any gaps, and I had to fill it in, and they were like. Do your best of your knowledge. And I'm like, yeah, to the best of my knowledge. I don't remember the date. Yeah. I don't remember what I had for dinner two days ago. Like, you want me to remember <laughs> the yeah. date? You I remember the day my parents made me move from Tennessee to right. St. Louis when I was in seventh grade? Like, you want me to remember that? Like, like come on, man. Get out of here. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, yeah, that process is. And it gets worse the higher you get. Well, it's the same packet for. You fill out the same packet. It's just what they're... Uh, how deep they dive. Well, yeah, how many people they put on it, how far back they go. Mm-hmm. Uh, my clearance, I think, expired last year. I think mine was last year also. Because um, I even know guys who've had TSSCIs, and then they went to go do contracting, but they had to get a State Department clearance. Mm-hmm. Start over. Yep. Doesn't matter. That's a six-figure investment, too. Oh, yeah. If you Just the having a clearance... Is worth, I think they said, a hundred thousand. Yeah, hundred thousand. Just Dang. to get the job, like you, you could have fewer qualifications than somebody else, but if you have an active clearance, you can get the job over them just because of that. Because yep. you've been vetted. Yep. It's kind of crazy. That's yeah. why I don't even know what the top. I know the the interim, the second level was at that hundred grand, and then yeah. I don't know what the next level up. Yeah, with they, the polygraph and all that. They usually tried to tell people if they were going to retire, they're like, "Hey, try to get your clearance." refreshed or get into a position where you can get the next hire just so when you step out you can walk right into one of those other like gs jobs mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> contractor no. good money in that shit i got offered a contractor job uh teaching what i was already doing the guys who so i did a bunch of this stuff for the cyber i did signal i worked for the signal school but 
I taught a bunch of stuff for cyber, and then as they were standing up the cyber school for the officers, they hired a contracting company, and it was a bunch of retired SF and infantry guys, and uh, we were all teaching the same thing, sharing ranges and stuff. So before I retired, they grabbed me after a, a IPR a meeting before a range we had, and they're like, hey, Sam, come here a minute, and they called me out in the hallway, and they're like, when do you retire? Like October, they go, okay, we're hiring in, November, or in uh, June. They go, dude, if you want a job, we'll keep it. Like, do you have your clearance? And I only had a secret right then. And they were like, we can get you a TS. They're like, if, if you want it, let us know. That started at six figures. And it was, it was tempting for that money, but I hated Georgia so bad. I'm like, dude, I got to get out of here. I've got to get out of here. I do not want to be here any longer. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. That's crazy. Those are all good dudes, though. I'd had fun working with them, I'm sure. But yeah. gotta love security. You know, life takes of, you crazy places. It's kind of crazy when you think about just the amount of money they'll throw into that. Like, if you think about it, like I think they said the in Missouri the median income is forty two thousand dollars. Yeah. Dang. So just to get someone qualified for a position, it's two times that. For the investigation for somebody. And we have a lot of, like, NGA and other stuff around here, like, north. Up north. Like, but those guys make stupid money. Yeah, I mean, my position now, if I still with a Boeing, I'd be making probably 110 a year. Just from the contracts I've done and all the pay increases that they get on average. I was union, you know, and I actually I would have been a... Uh, by now, I've been a business rep. That's what I was going for. Because um, when you're in the union and you're a business rep, if you hold that position for 10 years, you get a second pension. So that's what I was rooting for. But then they killed my normal position of accruing more pensions. So I was capped out where I was at. Right. So the only reason why I'm here is, you know, decent pay and great benefits. And then I got dangled the golden carrot for that other position with that other company. I'm like, fuck it, bro. Let's go. Let's go to Florida. <laughs> We're out. You know, and. And my guys, they, I still talk to all my friends, all my bosses back at Boeing. I could probably get hired on tomorrow if I wanted to. But were you on the beach down there? Uh, just short. Our first house, we were. You could see the water. Um, we were on a, a long road that led to the beach, and then the second house we went inland, and then we built a house that was more inland. So, but had the boat. And we would go on a weekend. Let's go to the island, and there's a not a private island. It's just a, a local hangout spot where everyone just goes out and anchors mm-hmm. down and hangs out and. I miss that life, man. It was so nice. Yeah. I'd go back tomorrow. It's a whole other fucking life. I wish I could uh, show you guys my old place in Hawaii. I could literally throw a football and hit the West Lock of Pearl Harbor. I was on a cliff. Mile and I, like I had a outdoor fireplace, outdoor living room set up. I'd come straight home from work, pour a drink. I'd just go out there, kick my boots off, put my feet up, and just process. I was sitting there... Uh, December 5th. You can remember that date. Yeah. Well, I'm sitting there because I'm sitting there and I'm like, what? I'm like, what is that winding? And all of a sudden, right over my house, like an old P-32 Mustang and a Japanese Zero replica. Dive. Because I was right in the path where they had come down through Coley Coley Pass, hit Hickam, Mm. and then turned, and they went down over the West Lock and then bomb Pearl Harbor. And they were right. doing this replication of them following. And it was right over me, like literally nap of the earth. 
right, right down over my house, like right over top I of like me. Goosebumps, like all my body. I'm like, oh my god. So the first uh, where my office was when I was a heavy weapons platoon sergeant in D Quad, they say is where the first Medal of Honor of World War II got because some guy took his bar out of the arms room and he jumped up literally there's a stairwell or eight not stairwell uh, stairs that went to the roof because we're on the third floor and this dude climbed up and was engaging zeros with a bar from the roof literally right over my office a gangster <laughs> that's it was crazy. badass and they were talking about like getting rid of Schofield barracks for a while man it like made me sad i was like dude there's so much yeah. history here this is crazy yeah that's crazy those guys are cut from a different loin <laughs> a different clock can you just imagine being alive that time frame? And well, you you think about war in that context, like even D Day, man. Like, I can't even attrition rates, and you know, talking to non vets like myself, I'm like, man, I'm so proud of you. We're swapping stories, and I'm like, dude, you just told me you did this. Don't tell me you're proud of me ever again. Yeah. Like, stop it. No, my, my grandpa, then, he was on a USS Cavalier, and they got bombed by a Jap sub. And he was sleeping at the time. It was at night. And when they got hit, obviously all the guys in the bunks, I mean, they're four, racked up four high. They yep. all fell. Dark as shit. Can't see a thing. And he was telling his story, and he said someone got to the hatch, and they popped it open, and all you could see is an, it was a new moon that night. And he said he always called that was a beautiful sight in the world because when I saw that moon, I knew I had a chance. You know, I'm like, I'm hearing this shit. I'm like, you're probably 24, 25. Can you imagine the feeling of like, oh no, this ship's gonna get sunk, and we're locked in a hatch. We're dead, <laughs> <laughs> dude. You know, yeah, that's dude, so insane. I'll tell you, it's. Uh, I was talking to one vet one time, and he was like, "I was actually, I got off work, and I was buying a bottle on a Friday in uh, um, Spanaway, Washington, where I lived, and I had an old Vietnam vet behind me in line, and the news was on." And we're waiting, and we were watching IED strikes, and he was like, you just get back? And I'm like, yes, sir. And uh, he's like, dude, it's like watching the same thing over again. He's an old infantry guy. And uh, no, he's a long tabber. He was an SF guy. And um, he goes, it's the same thing. Like, I'm watching it all over again. And I was like, I said, no, it's it's not, man, not like what you guys went through. And he was like, you get blown up over there? And I'm like, a bunch. And he's like, he said, the only difference now is uh, you guys with your armor and some of the stuff you have for survivability. But that's where, you know, back then, you didn't, you didn't see a lot of TBI, like traumatic brain injury and we stuff were like dead. That. Right. And so now the CTE, like when I, when I legit look at it and I've been like, man, I've been blown up 30 times. Cause I had to go back. Like when I was in the TBI clinic at Fort Gordon, Georgia, they were having me like, okay, bring up this, bring up this, bring up this deployment. I started going down the lines, like close mortar strikes or just direct vehicle borne IEDs or whatever. And, uh, that's not even including direct gun fights of bullets coming at you, you know? And it's like, yeah, I'd have been dead a bunch of times over. Like even when we were there, they were trying to kill the striker, but the bad guys hadn't figured it out yet. They were trying really hard, and uh, it's like, yeah, man, I, I probably shouldn't be here, like, a bunch of times over, you know? Um, it's just wild to think about, even, like, like, I have buddies who've, like, they've been hit in the head with, like, 
rounds, you know, uh, it's like even a steel pot. I think it just the damage from a, it's, it's kind of crazy with, with survivability. And then you wonder like the secondary and tertiary effects, you know, that stuff. It's kind of like, it ain't nothing. Right. You know, and this is why you don't kneel on the flag. (laughs) Period. Well, gentlemen, I think we're probably at that that time point. Yeah. Awesome combo. Yeah, man. It's been two hours. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna edit in Mr. Uh, Mr. Rev's sponsors for our podcast. So if you if you listen to us, like, follow, all that good jazz. Yep. Check out our Instagram. Edit here. Edit here. If you guys are still listening, we appreciate you so much. Thank you for joining us for another episode. If you are there, make sure you go ahead and click subscribe and hit that notification bell so that you get notified every week when we drop new episodes. It is time to thank our episode sponsors. I want to thank Malevolent Art Studios out of Barnhart, Missouri. That is our man, Anthony Ferguson, over there. He has got a crew in an excellent shop. If you guys are out there looking for a tattoo, I highly recommend that you go see him and his artist uh anthony does exceptional line work his color work and his his traditional and illustrated work is is fantastic he will work with you to make sure that he designs something that you are going to be happy with and he will put down a a quality tattoo that's going to last you a very very long time so if you look in our description you will see a link to anthony's shop make sure that you reach out to him and mention the stoned apes podcast you will get 20% off of any booked services with him. Our other episode sponsor is here with us today, and that is our man, Elliot Growth, and he owns e-growth productions and that is an audio video company he does our photography and he's going to be shooting some videos for us shortly he does all the videography for 10th planet crystal city you can go to our description in the link and you will see an example of his work um absolutely fantastic work fantastic artist uh super professional to work with if you mention the stoned apes podcast when you reach out to contact him he will give you uh, 10% off of any booked service. Elliot also owns Gateway Tattoo Studio, and he is an appointment-only tattoo artist. He specializes in black and gray and realism work. If you go to our description, you will see an email link to him. Go ahead and reach out to him if you're looking for a piece. He'd be happy to work with you to discuss and, and create something that uh, you are going to want to go forward with. And if you do, mention the Stone Dave's podcast, and you get $50 off any half-day booked appointment. Thank you guys again for joining us for another episode. We enjoyed having you. A big thank you again to our man Larry and Proper Cannabis for sending him out. We had a great time. And for the Stone Dates podcast, we are out.